It's good to see everyone this morning, and we're glad that you're, you can join us this morning, and I always say that it's good to see your lovely faces, your smiley faces, and it makes me smile as well. It's contagious. The smiles are contagious. But before I start, and I want you to, to turn to the person next to you and say to them, I'm happy to see you this morning. And say to them, look at them and say, I pray that I sit next to you. Praise the Lord. So for the past few weeks, Jocelyn preached about choosing your strongholds and capturing our thoughts and that we need to be in agreement with God. I'm going to continue on this theme this morning. So let's go to our text this morning. We'll dive in straight to the Word of God. If you have your Bibles with you, turn it with me in the book of Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. The word of the Lord says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. The Lord, without more blessing upon the reading of his word, let's pray. Let's bow down our heads. Lord Jesus, your word is a light unto our feet and a lamp unto our path. And we pray now by the power of your spirit in this space and in this place, God, that you would move, that you would move mightily, Lord, that you would change us from the inside out, that you would sanctify us and make us more like you. Lord, we want to walk out on the four walls of this place. We want to look, we want to love, we want to live in our lives more like you. So God, help us to turn our theology into biography. Help us to not only hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word. Jesus, we love you, and this we ask in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So the title of my message this morning is, What Are You Thinking About? I want to ask you this question. What are you thinking about? Do you think about what you're thinking about? Do you get excited about when your thoughts are taking you? You see, our mind, according to Wikipedia, is the set of faculties including cognitive aspects such as consciousness, imagination, perception, thinking, intelligence, judgment, language, and memory, as well as non-cognitive aspects such as emotion and instinct. In other words, we store a lot of information in our minds, whether it is good or bad. And this is where our thought life comes from. Thought is the process of using your mind to consider something. And it can also be the product of that process. It is an idea or just the thing you're thinking about. Thought can also refer to the organized beliefs of a period, individual, or group. So in short, it is the act or the process of thinking, deliberation, meditation, or reflection, a concept, opinion, or idea. You see, our mind is a powerful thing. It was created by God for many purposes. We, we meditate on it. We make decisions. We imagine. We create. We organize. We worship. We pray. And the list goes on and on and on. So yes, your thought life matters. And it is up to us to be deliberate about how we choose to think. How many of you have seen an elephant? Have you seen how they tame the elephant? I remember when we went to Singapore, we went to the zoo. 
and uh, we we watched the show about elephants. Man, they're amazing eh? how they how they they do it. And um, and it's it takes a lot of time and effort for the trainer to do that. And I want to ask you this question: How do you tame an elephant? Well, the way you tame an elephant is this: When there is a newborn baby elephant entering the world, a trainer will come in and take the baby elephant, and they will tie a large rope on the hind leg. They'll take the other end of the rope and tie it around some large immovable object, like a big boulder or a giant tree. And that baby elephant will be there and it will thug and thug and pull and pull. And on that rope, only to be forwarded time and time again, and ultimately what happens is this baby elephant falls into a psychological state known as learned helplessness. What is Learn helplessness. According to Wikipedia, learn helplessness is when humans or other animals start to understand or believe that they have no control over what happens to them. They begin to think, feel, and act as if they are helpless. It's a learned behavior conditioned through experiences in which the subject either truly has no control over his circumstances or simply perceives that he has no control. That's a learned helplessness. And so, the elephant fall into this state so much so that even when they release and they grow in stature to be a, a big full-grown adult elephant weighing several tons, that same trainer can come back and again this time not with a giant rope but with a piece of string and they'll, and they'll take that other end of that string and tie it on a twig. So they put that string on the, the hind of the elephant legs and then the other end they'll put a twig. And they put the twig in the ground, and the giant elephant weighing several tons, it will not move. In fact, it won't even try. Why? Because it's fallen into a state of learned helplessness. It's interesting enough that we can be in this state of learned helplessness without knowing it in some point in our life or even in our church we can be, you know, in that state. We are trapped in our own mindset and stuck in our past experiences. And eventually it becomes normal. It becomes a habit. and We get used to it. We become helpless and we think that it's not going to change. We begin to think about those people that did something to you are never going to change. The bad experiences and the things that you have encountered in your lives or what we think has become a stronghold. So much so that we become trapped in our own thinking and mindset. If you read a word for you today, it talks about learn to think right. There's a doctor that says her name is Caroline Leaf. She says that a cognitive neuroscientist points out that the brain takes 18 years to grow and a lifetime to mature. Don't miss this point. While every organ in your body was fully formed when you were born and got bigger as your body grew. So your brain actually takes a full 25 years to grow. And once it's fully formed, it continues to mature until you die. That means no matter how old you are, your brain is still growing. Yeah. <laughs> this is great news because it means you don't have to stay stuck in old or wrong thought patterns. Your brain is still maturing, which means you can still improve in your thinking. There's always room to grow. Let's go back to our text this morning in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. It says that finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, 
whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I'm sure that all of us probably know what Paul is talking about here. I'm not going to explain all of these virtues because I know somehow that most of these words are self-explanatory. But I want to give you a big picture of why it is important to apply it in our minds. So, my question is this. Do we really apply this in our minds? Do we really examine what Paul is trying to say here? These are not suggestions or recommendations. Paul is telling us that we have to meditate or think about the things that he mentioned in this verse. Because he knows how important it is to have a moral standard in a Christian walk with God. He didn't say, try to think these things. He said, think about such things. The book of 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 to 5 says, For though we live in the world, Jocelyn um, you know, shared this last week as well, but I want to touch this uh, verse again. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight we are with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That's what Paul said. Now, every one of us know Paul, right? His name is used to be Saul. And he is a card-carrying Christian killer in those times. But on a 150-mile stretch from the road between Jerusalem and Damascus, he is knocked off in his donkey and his life is changed forever. He has encountered Jesus and changed his life. So from Saul, his name became Paul. Paul's life changes, but during that time, he also changes the history of the world. And I believe that if we have an encounter with Jesus and we can allow him to shape our thinking and our mind, we might too be able to change the world in the name of Jesus. But what I love about Paul is, you know, if you read the book of Acts chapter 9, he's a dude who's struggling. He's a dude who's actually losing the battle within his mind. But then again, Paul is a different person in Acts chapter 28. He's actually mastered his mind. He's actually won the battle in his mind. He's learned to take every thought captive and actually make it obedient to Christ. It's crazy because early in Paul's writing, he sounds like kind of crazy. You know, in some of his writing, if you read the, the book of Romans chapter 7, verse 15 to 20, this is what Paul said. Paul said, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it. But it is sin living in me, for I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is, in my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it, for I do not do the good I want to do. But the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. Sounds crazy, eh? But here's the good news. See, Paul, he battled. Again and again and again in his mind. He battled, he fought, he won, he took ground, and over time he mastered his thoughts. And even when life is stacked against him in a Roman prison, he could say things that were otherworldly because he had learned to capture his thought and make them obedient to Christ. You see, what we put in our minds determines what comes out 
in our words and actions. I'm going to say that again. What we put in our minds determines what comes out in our words and actions. You see, Paul wants us to think about and internally examine the list of the things that he mentioned in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. You don't just read it, but you examine what the truth is, what is noble, and so on and so forth. In the book of Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, Jesus said that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So out of the mouth, through the heart, so if there is like a rot, filth in the heart, it's going to come out in, in your mouth. But if it's good things in the heart, then that's going to come out in the mouth, right? In other words, what's in our heart, it's going to show up in our thinking, in our speaking, and in our acting. So Paul tells us to meditate on, to think on, to rule over in our mind, and even to analyze in our thoughts whatever things that are true, whatever things that are noble, which is honest, which is right, which is, you know, righteous, pure, lovely. Um, the meaning of the word lovely is, you know, towards brotherly love, which is admirable. Admirable is good report and good reputation. Excellent virtues and praiseworthy. So Paul said to think about such things. The word think is translated as reckon or meditate or reason about or to think apart and put back together in your mind. So you have to break them apart and put them back together you know, in your mind to examine mentally and to consider in our heart. So Paul is giving instruction to the life of the Christian mind. This is the life of the Christian mind, and this is very, very important. Jesus said in Mark chapter 12, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and with all your mind and with all your strength so that even with our mind, we are exercising our love for God. And one of the ways we do that is that we let rule over in our minds these things. But there is a danger. You know, our mind gets, gets stuck in a loop. And you start thinking about something over and over again. And normally it's not something helpful. We get stuck in our loop. You could, you could get angry on someone or, some, or someone did something to you. And what happens is you think about that and it gets caught in this whirlwind of your mind. You think about it over, over, and over again. Or it could be something else. So it could be greed. It could be lust. Whatever it is, it works its way into the loop of the mind and it will start playing over, over, and over again. It's a form of meditation. And meditation is not just a mental sort of thing, but meditation shows up on what we talk about and what we do. So what Paul is saying that all the bad stuff that is in our mind needs to be out and what you're trying to put in there is all the list of these things that are true, that are noble, Right, pure, lovely, brotherly love, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. So these are the things that we need to put in our minds. We want to put this, that in the mental loop and have that rolling over in our mind over and over again. Does this make sense? So, you know, our mind is, is a battleground, and this is real. There is a real battle going on in our mind. A violent battle is raging around us 24 hours per day. 
There is a book called The Invisible War written by Donald Gray Barn. It is the battle of your mind. And he said that battle is vicious. It is intense. It is unrelenting. And it is unfair because Satan never plays fair. And the reason why it is so intense is that your greatest asset is your mind. You know, I work in a disability firm. And then we go to people's houses that have disability problem in them or mental problem. And uh, they have some uh, hospital equipment that we fix. So I've seen the face of a mental illness. You know, it's not funny. Sometimes you, you get scared or sometimes you, you're like, oh, what am I going to do? You know, what, what is he going to do to me? He just look at you and it's like you just stand there and do nothing. Otherwise, you know, you never know what's going on in their mind. And, and I've seen what it is like when people are unable to hear God because their minds are broken and cannot seem to connect to God even when they want to connect to God. And I know whatever gets your mind gets you. So one of the most important things we need to learn and teach others is how to guard and strengthen and renew our minds. Because the battle for sin always starts in your mind. So this is why Apostle Peter wants us to prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. It's why the psalmist wrote, keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over you. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Note the words meditation of my heart. Meditate in your heart and it comes into your, your mind. There's a saying that says, the life that you have is a reflection of the thoughts that you think. Another one, your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. I like what Jocelyn quoted a few weeks ago about Christine Kane. Christine Kane said that thoughts are like a train. They always take us somewhere. Get your train to the right station by filling your mind with the word of God. The book of Proverbs chapter 23 verse 7 says, For as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. So for us, a man or a woman, think in their hearts, so they are. So as you think, so you become. So if you think that you can't, guess what? You probably won't. But if you believe that through Christ you can, then you probably can. If you believe that you're a victim, always suffering at the hands of someone or something else, then guess what? You will probably always be a victim. However, if you believe that you have a victory through Christ, you can actually move from victim to victor. If you're always looking at the problems in your world, your problems will always probably overwhelm you. But if instead you're looking for solutions, you're more than likely to find solutions. How many of you know Joyce Meyer? She said, most of life's battles are won or lost in the mind. Because, again, the mind is a battlefield. So some of you who are children of the 80s, you know, thought that love is a battlefield. Thanks, Pat Benatar. <laughs> but I want to tell you that your mind is a battlefield. And it's a battle between God's truth about you and Satan's lies to you. A war between God's truth and between the enemy's deception. So to help us win this battle in the mind, the first thing I want us to do is I want us to think about what we think about. There is a, a story. There, there were two twin brothers. One is an incurable optimist and one is an incurable pessimist. 
Their parents were kind of worried about these two boys and their extreme personalities. So they took the boys to a psychologist, and the psychologist got an idea. And so he takes the first little boy, little pessimist, and he takes him into this room. And this room were filled with overflowing brand new toys. And he walks the little boy into the room, this little pessimist boy. And all of a sudden, he just started crying. And the psychologist baffled. Now, what's in the world is going on, he said. What's wrong with all that toys? Don't you want to play with these toys? And he just started crying. And he said, if I play with them, they're just going to break. I'm just going to break them all. And he couldn't believe it. You know, that psychologist couldn't believe it. So he goes over to the little optimistic boy. He's got another plan for him. He takes him to a different room. This room was not filled to the brim with toys. It's actually filled to the brim with poo, with horse manure. And a little optimistic boy walks into this room, and he gets this big old smile on his face, and he is so excited, so excited, in fact, that he runs up to this pile of big poo, and he just started digging, digging and digging. And then the psychologist said, what's happening here? And the little boy said, with all this poo in here, surely there's a pony. So here's what we're going to do right now. We're going to think about what we think about. We're going to do something about a thought audit. And we're going to understand how we've been thinking. So we've got some extremes. The first one is negative and positive extremes. So negative and positive extremes. So I want you to think about what you think about. Think about your thoughts. This past week, have your thoughts been more negative or more positive? Have they been more negative, that little pessimistic boy in the room full of toys, but he just feels like there's just going to break them if he touches them? Or have you been more positive, like that little boy who's looking for a pony in the poo? You're just like, woo! So where do you land? Are you more negative or positive in your thinking? The second extreme, not just negative and positive, is worried or peaceful in your thinking. Are you more worried or more peaceful in your thinking recently? Think about this last week. Were you worried about that others thought about you or what they thought about your kids? Were you worried about your job or your finances? Are you currently worried in how long I'm going to preach this morning? Or were you worried about the comment in your Facebook post? Or instead, were you more peaceful? You're not rushing throughout your day. You're not anxious about things. Are you able to sleep well at night? Are you more worried? Or more peaceful. The third extreme is worldly or eternal. Are, you, are your thoughts more worldly or more eternal? Worldly thoughts thinking about what can I get? How will this benefit me? It's about me, 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 and me. Or where they more eternal? That I have been blessed and I have been blessed to be a blessing. My job here on earth is to bring God's kingdom come for other people. Have you been thinking about yourself or have you been thinking about how you can bless other people? More worldly or more eternal? Where have your thoughts been this week? Have you got to think about what you think about? Because again, ultimately, we know that our life is always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Our life is always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Now, 
I have a, a question to you. And the question is this. If we know the truth that our life is always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts, as we think, so we become, if that's the truth, the question is this. Are you excited about where your thoughts are taking you? Because again, our life is always moving in a direction of our strongest thoughts. So are you excited about where your thoughts are taking you? If you ask me that question about a few years ago, I'm going to say no. You know, my, my thoughts are pure evil. You know, I've been through that, and it's not good. It's not good. But, you know, I, I'm in a journey. It's, it's like you. You're, we're all in a journey here. I, I come to a point that I said enough is enough, and I want to think godly thoughts. I want to think straight to God. So, we are in a journey. You know, I just want to be honest with you this morning. Here are the thoughts that are crossing in my mind. I would say things in my head like, I'm not a good person. I'm not a good worship leader or a preacher. I would never be able to do what Jocelyn does. I'd never be able to provide enough for my family. How am I going to give these three kids what they need? I can't even afford the life that I had growing up, and we don't even have much. How am I ever going to raise these kids right? How am I ever going to make enough time for my family, for my kids, for my wife? No, they're probably just going to become those church kids. I'm not a good son. I'm not a good husband. I'm tired. So do people even know what I do around here? This ministry needs this. Can you do this? This, this people need someone to talk to. And if you don't, these people will probably leave church. So these are the thoughts that keep going in mind. You know what? I diagnosed myself that I have a bad case of stinking thinking. You know, that's what Jocelyn said last week too. Stinking thinking. I have a really bad case of stinking thinking. But by God's grace, I decided to do something about it. So over the last few years, I've been on this journey. And I've, you know, I wake up early in the morning. I read the Bible. I read the books. Uh, whenever I drive to go to my work, you know, I've listened to podcasts. I listen to messages. And God has been doing some work in my heart. He's been changing me from the inside out. Amen. You know, he's been, he's been teaching me to overcome that stinking thinking. So when I ask this question, how do we come against those strongholds in our life? You see, we have to identify the number one stronghold that is holding you back. The stronghold is a lie that is keep us in prison. It's a deception that is holding us captive. It's a thought from the enemy that is using to keep us from living the life that God wants us to live. And you hear this often in your self-talk. You hear things like, I'm never going to be enough. My past is too bad after all I've done. God can never use me. I can't trust anybody. I can't get close to anybody. After what I did or what they did to me, I can never trust anybody again. I'm never going to be in that job that I love. I'm never going to be get ahead. I'm never going to have enough all my relationship to no matter how hard I try, they always fall apart. I'll never break free from this addiction. I'll never get in shape, and I can never change. You see, some of you, you have those thoughts or similar thoughts bouncing around your brain every single day. And again, why is this important? Because those thoughts, whenever we have a thought, 
our brain is literally redesigning itself around those thoughts. There's actually a changing chemical makeup of your brain. Every single thought creates a neurochemical change in your body. So if you think a positive thought, your body rewards you with this legal drug called dopamine. Some of you get excited there when I say dope <laughs> in the church. <laughs> but it gives you a legal buzz, a quick hit, a thrill. You know that feeling. And if someone gives you a good news, boom, dopamine. Someone likes your comment on Facebook post, boom, dopamine. Somebody says, ooh, you're looking good today, dopamine. Your wife says, hey, I'm thinking of you, come home, dopamine. <laughs> This little chemical hit, that high, that thrill in your brain is saying, I like that thought. Let's think that thought over and over again. And what happened is, the more you think that thought, the more you're creating with the scientists called the neuropathways. You're creating neuropathways in your brain. So your brain creates a path kind of like when you, when you walk across the grass nonstop in the same place. And the more you think that thought, the easier it is to think that thought again. In fact, if you think that thought enough, that thought actually becomes the default in your brain. So if you tell yourself you don't have enough over and over again, you create a pathway where it's easier to believe that you will never have enough. But in order to change your thinking, you actually have to create different pathways. If you create new positive pathways or positive path that your thoughts travel on. So for example, if you've, I've got nothing but a negative path, I have to stop and say, wait, that thought is not helpful. It's not productive. It's not from God. I'm going to capture it. And now I'm going to walk down a brand new God-honoring path. I capture that old negative thought and I'm going to walk in a new pathway. For example, every time I um, you know, go to work, you are tired, you are... You don't, you know, you don't feel like working. You, you capture that thought. No, I'm not going to be this tired. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be uh, more productive today. I'm, I'm going to think that I'm going to do this job today. So those are the things that we need to, to um, change you know, in our mindset. See, Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world. I would say, do not conform to the pathways of this world. But instead, be transformed by what? By the renewing of your mind. See, science would say when you create new Europe pathways, you're rewiring your brain. But God's word actually says, no, you're renewing your mind. So here's my assignment. I want us to identify that one stronghold that is holding us back. What is that one stronghold in your world that is holding you back from living the life that God has called you to live. You have to name it because you cannot defeat what you cannot define. You've got to define that stronghold. Give it a name and define it. You cannot defeat what you cannot define. And then here's what we're going to do right now. You're going to name it. What is it? What is that stronghold? Define it. Then after that, after you name it, we're going to attack it. You're going to attack it. And then we're going to demolish that stronghold. So you're going to define it, you're going to attack it, and you're going to demolish that stronghold. Amen? 
So hope, hopefully this things that I'm talking here is very helpful this morning. There is an old saying that says that an idle mind is the devil's workshop. Your mind never stops working. And if you don't take control of it, it will take control of you. You know, Paul writes, we go back to our text this morning, that whatever things are noble, whatever things are pure, are just, are lovely, and of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's any praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Meditate on these things because what you become is a direct result of what your mind dwells on. What you become is a direct result of what your mind dwells on. So I want to encourage us this morning. Get rid of all of those filthiness, all of those unnecessary stuff in your mind. Don't entertain them. Once that hits you, capture that thought. Capture that stronghold and, 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 and start speaking to it. Start to declare the name of Jesus and start to change it with a new pathway that God wants you to go, where God leads you. James Allen said that you are today where your thoughts have brought you, and you will be tomorrow where your thoughts take you. You know, my, my, my prayer that every one of us here this morning will begin to um, realize that there's a real battle going on in our mind and the only thing that we we could do is for us to control it and, and give it to Jesus if you can't do anything about it just trust in the Lord trust trust him and I believe that he is there to help each and every one of us amen let's 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 pray father we we thank you we thank you Lord for what you have done for us we thank you that your word is powerful and it can change the heart of every one of us that are here in this place. And we ask you right now, Holy Spirit, to move in our midst. Ask you to, to touch us. Touch our hearts, Lord God. Touch our mind, Lord Father. And we want to be pure. We want to we wanna have that in a communion between you, Lord Father God, that we could be able to just, just think about you, Lord. And help us to do that as well, Lord. And we commit that to you right now in, in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Mm -hmm.